Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast, the most fun you'll ever listen to while you're folding your clothes. Now let's get this straight, this is not your average podcast. T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio is super fun, super crazy, it's pretty much an in-your-face conversation. That's the good thing about us, we don't do interviews, we do conversations. All of my guests, all of my co-hosts, we chill, we drink, we play games, we have the song of the week, we have the creative curse word of the week, as long as you're having fun as our guest. Speaking of guests, each week I'm gonna go through my whole contact list and dive head first into the world of music, gaming, exotic cars, tech, strippers probably, doctors probably, probably strippers that are only stripping so they can pay for tuition to become a doctor. You never know. My wife is a certified bartender. She'll make you a drink while you're here. We'll get you drunk and make you play VR after. It's a lot going on, but that's what it's all about over here at T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast. See you soon, baby! Hey guys, today on CarCast, we're going to get into a lot of the LA Auto Show stuff, what's going on with Genesis and Porsche Dakar and uh, uh, Hyundai and Kia and uh, EVs and a whole lot more. And we're welcoming our good friend, Alistair Weaver from Edmonds. Before we get started, here's Geico. Do you own, do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator. DeAndrea here with Bill Goldberg. Hello. Good morning, buddy boy. How are you? All afternoon. right. Yeah, it's afternoon for you. It's morning over here. And, uh, welcome back to the show. Our friend Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. Hello, Alistair. Good morning, everybody. Happy Hello. Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess we're like a day away as we as we record this uh, from from Thanksgiving. I don't know if anybody's doing any traveling. I I'm I'm kind of staying put, hanging out with some friends i guess you guys uh alice you got you brought the family into into the country yeah the in-laws are in town so we're doing the turkey thing and everything else so um yeah but with a with a my family's my uh in-laws are french so with a little french twist we should be fun okay good wine good wine at least good wine bill you staying on on the campus <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna be <laughs> having uh thanksgiving dinner on my garage floor probably yeah um yeah we're, we're nothing spectacular we're just uh 
staying with the family here here in Texas and relaxing, and nobody's actually flying in. But uh, you know, we we got a lot of work on our hands right now. So. It's a busy time of the year. Yeah, definitely got the hands full. I know you're trying to jam to get some last-minute things done on the garage before a little bit of a holiday break. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's looking good. I, I, I dig the, uh, the 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 social media posts and the and the time lapse videos and and stuff. Like every time we we kick <laughs> off the show before you know before we even start recording, we're like, oh, what's going on with the lighting? I saw you. What do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And where are you going to put it? And and uh, some of it to be revealed later, right? I know you're planning a, a bunch of video stuff, but um, cool stuff for sure. Uh, I want to get into a little bit of the LA Auto Show stuff, and I guess it's kind of a good preview of what's uh, forthcoming uh, next year with a bunch of new cars. Um, let's. Uh, I kind of think let's let's start it off with the cool stuff right away and just get into that Porsche display at the LA Auto Show and uh, the 911 Dakar. First of all, Porsche's room that they do at the Auto Show, they've been doing for a long time now, um, is always very, very cool. Different configuration kind of year after year. But I always felt they did a great job, especially this year, with taking each car – putting sort of two walls behind it 90 degrees with the signage, the name or whatever, with a sticker on the floor. And it makes each car very photogenic. Each one had kind of a cool backdrop to it and no big podium signs or, or ropes to rock, walk, you know, walk around and, and get in your photos. Like they did a really cool job that you can frame up each one. And I think you guys will notice that if you start – just kind of flipping through everyone's auto show photos, you're going to go, oh, all the Porsche stuff looks good. It was well thought out. I thought it was a good layout. And now I'm starting to think, it's like, oh, the stickers on the ground are a cool idea. <laughs> yeah, so. A cool garage idea. Yeah, it's a cool garage idea is what I was thinking. You know, how hanging stuff up above or putting it down kind of below the car doesn't, Block your view of the car, but nine uh, eleven. Then, then you can never move the car from that specific space. Well, I mean, it it is a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it is a little bit dedicated to that space. It's a little bit more museum look than it is modular, you know. I, but if you do hanging signs, at least you can move those things. Like I think Goodwood did the hanging signs above all of the pits uh, when we were there a, a while back. So. Um, what do you think? 911 uh, Dakar. I mean, they're going to make 2,500 of them. They, they really did a lot of work onto the tuning uh, for its off-road capability. Um, I was told, uh, and I'm sure, Alistair, you got more information. I was told there's three tire options. There's basically a winter, a summer, and a dirt. And I don't know if it comes with all three. I probably, <laughs> probably should, given the $235,000 price point or 230 or whatever it is somewhere around that range but 222 uh 222 okay yeah but there was something else added to it where he's like it's about 230 when it's done yeah yeah there's some 250 yeah but it's now markups aside like when it's not (laughs) markups aside and then the question that i got on uh, maybe the misconception uh that i got on on 
the social media posts is it's another one of these vehicles where it's like, oh, they announced it. They're making 2500 but you can't get it. It's you know for Porsche only, only or people that ordered a 918 or something like that. And I was told by Porsche, absolutely not. That is not the case. They didn't want to go out and just ask Porsche owners if they want this thing, get on the list and make it collectible. Uh, I was told the the idea of making 2,500 of them, although that's still kind of a small number, it is a big number in the world of ultra collectability where people are making 10 or 50 or 100 cars. Uh, And when the LA Auto Show kicked off, there were cars available. Now, I don't know a week into the auto show if that's still the case, but I was told it was attainable, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> money aside it was attainable on a on a list um but anyway uh what do you think of it alistair um i i i, I kind of didn't want to like it but sort of did in the end um you know because ultimately i mean at least they have a heritage of this thing years and years ago i actually dug up on youtube an old video of me driving jackie x's dakar 911 uh, when I was about 12 years old, um, I drove it at the good, up the hill at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, I think literally like 20 years ago, something 15, 20 years ago. So at least they've got, you know, they did the 959 Dakar and everything else. So at least as a heritage, they haven't just sort of dreamed up a, a, an off-road 911. The only bit that I, that troubles me is a bit like what you were saying, Matt, that it's another, you know, 250 grand by the time you bought it, car, you know, in limited numbers. I would just love them to do something like this and say, you know, you can have it as an option pack on the standard Carrera and it's an extra 20 grand. I mean, it'd still be a load of money because the 911 is a load of money, but it would still be just more accessible. And it kind of like, the more you do of these sort of things, I know it gets attention. I know it helps the, you know, the business, but it's just like, eh. you know, we had that fancy 911 turbo that looked really cool with the ducktail. We've got this now and they're always beautifully engineered and they're always quite cool. But they're also so exclusive as to be a bit like, eh, you know, a little bit pointless at the end of the day. Right. And I, I actually I agree with you. I think this is an interesting move, especially for an L.A. auto show, which is so much of very much a, a consumer facing show. If this was Rensport or, as you said, Goodwood or or Rolex Historics. That's kind of the better platform to roll out a limited edition vehicle because the audience there at those events are the audience that are on the list, right? But now you're saying, hey, this is a public show and people can buy tickets and go and sit in that car every day during the whatever the 10 days of the LA Auto Show. But chances are three people walking into that building could buy that car. Yeah, the one the one that I really like, you know, all the attention was on the Dakar, but it's the first time I'd seen real life the 911T. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that is like, if you're a proper aficionado, that is the 911 to buy. It's a standard Carrera engine, which frankly is enough as a road car, but with basically everything that you want suspension-wise and car, you know, car-wise, it's just a... It's like a, a thinking person's GT3 that they've taken most of the GTS bits... Uh, so you, it's the driver's choice, but it's based on a standard Carrera. So it's not crazy money. It's like, I expect one out, it's like 120 or something, still a load of money, but in 911 terms. Yeah. And I just think it's so cool. It's just like a little kind of nod and a wink to those in the know sort of car. And generally speaking, the T is always the best version of the, of the range, maybe apart from the Macan, cause it's still got the two liter, uh, four pot in it, but 
yeah, I just thought that was a really nice thing. The only thing they've got rid of that they used to have on the 991 was the 991 used to have little fabric door pulls, which always were kind of a nice little signature. Yeah. Apparently they were too expensive to do, so they didn't do them this time. Oh, it seems like it would be cheaper to do them because it's a little – it's not It's not a, like an aluminum or, or a handle or whatever. They just got the door pull. And I know it's like, hey, we're going to save an ounce by putting that, that door pull on it. But it was – you're right. For that car, it was kind of a neat little touch. I want to say – uh, I think they did that in a in a in a Cayman or a Boxster R a while back, like years ago now, probably eight years ago. And and so, it, it, how does the T differ than the nine eleven R? A few years ago, there was a nine eleven R. I think Dario Franchini bought one. It was, the, his, the R was the the R was the the forerunner of the GT three Touring. Is that that right? That's what it was. And it was, so this this is this is similar. They did a Cayman. They did a Cayman R, which is not not, which was like a more track focused version. Cayman that's going back like the first Cayman, I think. Um, this is this is they. I mean, the nine eleven T concept goes back to the seventies. There was a there was a T back then, and then they brought it back for the nine nine one, and then they've they've introduced it again here. But I, I, I mean, honestly, as a road car for me right now, that would be that would be perfect. Well, not really. It doesn't really fit the kids. It doesn't fit the kids right generally. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be perfect for any for anything if you're. It'd be daily. perfect for me. Yeah, it, it, for you <laughs> alone, like nobody else. Um, not a self answer or anything. Right, right. Yeah, Bill, which which nine eleven does Wanda have? Uh, ninety two turbo. Ninety two turbo. That's nine six four then. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Is that black or is that the brown? Oh, it's black. It's black, black wheels. Car is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I, I I wonder what I thought. It was an earlier model than that. I'm not sure. Maybe there was. Did you have another one when you were when you were out here? No, I had a, a 2006 twin uh, 2006 twin turbo that I sold to Jesse James. Yeah, no, I remember that you had that one. one. I I thought you had like an 87 89 turbo. No. no. Yeah, so this is the one that was in the garage here. That's Chris, right? He's got a. He's got a. Maybe eight, maybe he does. Nine. Yeah. So when you were out here, the garage at the house, not not the big garage at the house, uh, Wanda's turbo was was in that garage. That's the one yeah. that we. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a cool car. The car is wonderful, man. It's just absolutely gorgeous. I guess the aficionados love the car. Um, but again, for me, it's just too small. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not your car. <laughs> well, that's why it's my car. <laughs> uh, Wanda's allowed to have at least oh, one. I- <laughs> she can have at least one or two vehicles, I think. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's got plenty, man. Yeah, she's, she's got, got she's got plenty. Anyway, that's a cool car, and it was uh, uh, cool to see this thing. Um, uh, you're right. It's I, I think this the car thing is more. You know, it's a weekend. It's a cars and coffee car. It's not a practical daily driver. I, I'm guessing. I, I think Porsche has other thoughts. They're like, yeah, it's got the it's got the ground clearance of an SUV, but it's got all the 911 bits in it. Um, I I I I do think it's kind of cool that it can adjust its ride height, but not use airbags. It's using uh, m- motors, kind of the same technology as their front axle lift, and it still has front axle lift, but it also uh, can change its ride height sort of on the, the fly, which is interesting because in the aftermarket world, uh, I've uh, I've spoken a few times with JRI, 
shocks, and they have a cool uh, coilover um, shock that the body of the coilover lengthens. I think I think it's maybe about three inches of of total travel. Um, so you can actually raise and lower a vehicle or a truck or whatever um, done electronically on the fly uh, without using airbags, and it doesn't it doesn't change. So if you imagine a coilover and it's got the collar uh, and with the coil spring on it, and then there's some shock body separate from the spring, and that's where the adjustment is made. So the spring. <laughs> That never changes. It doesn't change the spring rate. It doesn't change the the body of the shock uh, where the spring is. Obviously, that would be weird because you'd have more tension or less tension on the spring every time you go up and down. So it takes that last like three inches uh, and it is adjustable with, with an electronic motor. It's really, really cool shit. I wanted to do it on my 95 Lightning so I can do adjustable ride height, but I also wanted adjustable – shocks on the fly like uh, so i can do a street mode and a a track mode and and a whatever and currently because because the adjustable on the fly also uses motors on where the tool like if you imagine a coilover with two dials uh, a a compression and a rebound dial it's got servos where those are to control it so it was just a packaging thing they can't yet design a shock that has the motors to make it extend or shrink and then the motors to be adjustable. You've got to pick one or the other. So I ended up going with the adjustable rebound and compression instead of the length of the shock. So, but yes, there is a thought of going, Oh, let's build a cool hot rod car, like one of your projects, Bill. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, low to the ground, got a good stance on it. But as you're driving it around, you could call them up and go, hey, let's design the suspension around your JRI, JRI shocks. And I want a front axle lift system like on a modern day supercar so I can get into driveways and stuff. And they're like, sure, yeah, we can do that. You can get a program that way. Anyway, that, I always thought that was cool as shit. So. <laughs> there, there, there was one cool anecdote I heard about the Dakar. Um, yeah. The guys were blown away by how good the – the test engineers were blown away about how good the Pirelli off-road tires were because that's why they were doing like these different tire kits. Yeah. But apparently, even on the sort of all-terrain tires, it's faster around the Nürburgring than a 996 GT3. So 996 was the one that came out in 98. Yeah. The GT3 version, it's faster around the Nürburgring, which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah. It, it seems like it'd be a blast to drive. In the yeah. dirt. I, I in think the, dirt. The, the other thing that they told us, that, that you know, they did, they may have seen in the social and stuff they did a they took some vehicles to chile which were not 911 dakars they were actually more rock crawl cars and they did this like off-road stunt in chile apparently they're going to bring those up to la and maybe we're going to have a little play in those which would be great fun so um but that's more of a kind of rock crawling 911 yeah cool i dig it um Genesis had a big footprint there. So first of all, LA Auto Show, uh, it was missing quite a few companies, pretty much all of the luxury brands. I didn't see Mercedes, BMW, Audi, um, I think Maserati, uh, you know, and anything even higher up than that, you know, uh, Jaguar Land Rover, uh, uh, Bentley, Rolls Royce. uh, I didn't see much of anything. There was maybe like one Alfa Romeo 
there. And if you wanted to see any of the luxury brands, you would just go to the Galpin Hall of Customs because they had a big presence with Aston Martin and uh, Jaguar Land Rover. Before we before we roll over that most of the companies weren't there, why weren't they there? Uh, you know, so that's a good question. I, I think I think everybody has their own thoughts. These companies kind of have their own thoughts on it, but it 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 doesn't seem to be like a cost effective move. Uh, so COVID put everybody in a situation to reevaluate how they were currently advertising their products and then to adjust this is what they've come up with. I think they were already, even before COVID, the conversation I was having, people were already looking at auto shows and saying, like, a press conference at an auto show costs about two million bucks. Now, you might say, why and how does it cost two million bucks? But it, apparently it does. Um, so you're talking about tens of millions of spend, potentially, for a big brand doing a, a big auto show. So they were already looking at it and saying, in a world of social media, we can get, like, so much more value out of tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> But now the other problem True. is the – the other thing is nobody's got – you know, if you've still got inventory issues, we're looking at data that says inventory is creeping back, particularly as demand diminishes because you've got higher interest rates. But if you haven't got anything to sell, why do you spell, spend tens of millions of dollars telling people about cars they can't buy? Exactly. <laughs> so That's the other thing. So um, uh, one of the manufacturers sent me a note because I was like, why isn't anybody there? Including you guys, and um, I, I, I can't tell you who the company is because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But he said it's not that auto shows aren't necessary anymore; it's that luxury car makers got bored of them and convinced themselves that they don't need to participate anymore. <laughs> That's the unofficial official answer. <laughs> uh, and and yes, so basically they're saying auto shows are necessary, but not maybe they're not necessary for the luxury brands and maybe the luxury brands have more loyalty or maybe the luxury brands have more of an impact at events like Monterey Car Week and, you know, and, and things like that or, or different, you know, Audre and Concourse or Amelia Island or, or, you know. Yeah, but those guys, that's like the super rich, you know, like BMW isn't selling to you know, Car Week people or Jaguar, they might do as one of the fleet, but that's not where their everyday is. BMW survives by selling X3s to people, not mm. Alpinas. Yeah. So it's... um, And I agree with that. And the LA Auto Show is the chance of getting the... Uh, getting anybody into the seat of that car to check out that car. But as far as just generating press, I, I, I think the press is the same. Like, wherever you're going to launch that car or even send out you know, digital press kit, you're, you're going to get the same amount of attention on that car as you would. I, I mean, Porsche, I mean, Porsche did a good, you know, Porsche did a big, big job on it. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, as a, as a sort of media thing, it's just fantastic because you get everybody together. So I had lunch with like the new global CEO of, of Volkswagen. Now I'm not going to do that in a normal walk of life, but he's there at the auto show. So they make him available and everything else. So, it, you know, that, that sort of is really valuable to me. Now, that's not a everyday sort of consumer thing. But the only other point why a lot of people are still involved is, is saying, you know, it's an opportunity for people to come and see the range laid out. And a lot of dealers don't have certain cars in stock and everything else. It's a no-pressure environment. And it's still a f fun family day out. So 
I think it's partly about who pays for it. So on the Honda stand, it was the dealers paying for most of it. So it was like a kind of consortium of dealers rather than Honda directly. I was talking to Chevy's VP of marketing. He was saying that they've just, they're trying to do it cheaper instead of having these like crazy stands with like, you know, a million screens and waterfalls and God knows what else. They're just having cars on cars on carpet. Chubb is a luxury yeah. brand that always looks a bit cheap. Listen, uh, uh, Subaru didn't get the memo. Subaru's Subaru was off the hook. It was an entire jungle. They even piped in noise of I don't know birds chirping and 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 stuff like they they put together an incredible looking booth. Like you don't even you just want to go through it because it felt like a Disney ride, and then you realize there was Subarus in there, and you're like, oh, this is they they did a great job. But you, they they were making this big dealer. They imported. They had this waterfall. So when they they were launching the new Impreza, which is a relatively um, nondescript small hatchback, but they did it with this massive waterfall effect, like it was raining because Subaru is all about like being outside and wearing yeah. Patagonia. And um, <laughs> but they were going about, oh, you know, we we the LA's in a drought. So <laughs> some agencies obviously sat there and said, shit, you know, LA's in a drought. We can't have a waterfall. So he said, right, what we're going to do is import it from the Subaru car wash that's down in Hawthorne. <laughs> so if you know your LA geography, that's probably, what, 20 miles from the convention center, yeah. something like that. So they've transported six, what were they saying, like 6,000 gallons or something of water from Hawthorne to the auto show and then are taking it back again. I was like, what's the carbon footprint of that? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> It's like yeah. some agency means, sorry, we solved this, chaps. We're going to get like, you know, 20 tankers. Yeah. They're going to drive like 20 miles. <laughs> well, maybe they just said they did it, but they didn't really do it. Um, uh, anyway, okay. So um, noticeably missing was a bunch of the uh, the luxury brands, um, except for something like, uh, you know, we saw Genesis. And we saw a few brands there. and But – Genesis put on uh, the whole conglomerate, uh, Kia, Hyundai, Genesis, put on a big display. Genesis seemed to get a lot of attention. Um, the concept cars that they brought out, I think, were a home run for them. They had the coupe and the, the convertible that they debuted recently. Um, a beautiful design, clearly a concept car. It had the cool, like, it didn't really have headlights. It kind of just had sort of these accent lights in the front. I don't think they would pass as headlights. You know, no door handles and you know, cameras for side view mirrors. Very concept car-ish type stuff. But the uh, the the convertible car had a fantastic wheel on it, by the way. That wheel is really just had some great character and some dimension to it and a very, very cool standout type of wheel that I think is going to get a lot of attention in the aftermarket, uh, maybe from the OEs as well. A uh, very, very cool kind of design. Uh, and the interior on that car had this beautiful kind of teardrop shape to it where the front seat, the dash being wide, the front seats being wide – and it kind of curving back and tapering in where the two rear seats go. So the two rear passengers are a little bit closer together because they don't need a big center console in the middle. And it had this kind of floating, swooping, kind of half roundish, like moon-shaped center console. Like I think they nailed it with that car. Now, I have no idea what that's going to translate to, to the future design uh, of that company. But that was a beautiful piece. It, it, I mean, you could have put that on the SEMA show floor and you would have been like, 
somebody here nailed it, like Troy Trepanier or somebody nailed it with that type of design. Uh, Alex, do you have thoughts on that car? Do you know anything about it? Probably doesn't have an engine. <laughs> it's, it's an EV, uh, so it's uh, it's another EV concept. Uh, the bit that really impressed me is normally when you do four seater convertibles, their proportions look all wrong because you end up with a massive wheelbase and it all looks slightly ungainly. I just thought that was just such a a beautiful piece of design. The proportions are fantastic. The details were fantastic. It's just it's weird. You get a company that's just on a roll, and it feels like the combination of Genesis, Hyundai. Kia, they just can't yeah. do anything wrong at the moment. It's amazing. I, I, what do you? How do you think they're getting there? Like, why are they doing that? Now, I don't necessarily agree. I think this Ionic Six. I think that's the one that's kind of very swoopy and it swoops down yeah. in the back. Um, I don't like that design. I just always more traditional design, kind of low in the front and kind of swoop up. And but this dropping down to the back. You know, Mercedes did a little bit of this too. This kind of. The CLS, the original C, it looks like an original CLS. Yeah, and I never mm. liked that shape of the car too. This like like you know like half a ball kind of shape to it. I didn't. I never really liked that on the Mercedes. The line that doesn't go through and and kind of whisk away at the at the rear. It kind of drops back down. So I'm not a big fan of that of that Ionic. Is that the Ionic Six? That's the six. Yeah, that's the six. but I think that's. I kind of think that's okay because they've got the Ionic Five, which is like the little SUV, and that's that kind of sort of looks like a kind of eight eighties eighties. There's eighties detail again. I think that's really cool and a great vehicle. The Ionic Six basically has the same underpinnings, but it's more of a sedan and is all about uh, aerodynamics. So I think it's kind of cool that they're having the the guts to just do different things. It's not just you know an identical Mercedes where everything looks a little bit scaled up. It's it's. It's really interesting stuff, and they've done it by really going and looking at the world market and hiring some great people and empowering them. So, you know, the guy behind the design uh, or leading that charge is a guy called Luke Donkervolker, who came from Volkswagen Group, and I think I did do the Lamborghini Gallardo, or I can't remember which one he did. Was that or the Hurricane? But he was Lamborghini, or I think he did the um, Mercedes as well. He was Lamborghini's chief designer for a while, mm-hmm. part of the Volkswagen Group, and then he got poached. Uh, across to 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 sort of lead a lead a designing in career and Peter Peter Schreier uh, who came from before he was the same so he was a designer ended up running the company so they they've done some really smart stuff they've hired chassis engineers from BMW some of the best designers in the world but then also empowered them to get on with it I think that's the key thing they haven't just you know hired these guys for ma- massive dollars and then said right you're going to design this and we will control you. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point that you made is the lineup under one brand has some pretty creative design. You're right. The Ionic 5 looks nothing like the 6, and that gives you some some option there. I think that is kind of cool. We do see quite a few brands kind of going with the design and then just, like you said, making different sizes of it and stretching it into an SUV or, or something along those lines. And, and then it starts to get a little – it starts to get a little weird, right? Like you think the the Tesla Model S, I still think is their best looking car by far because it's long and it's low and it's got good hips and stuff to it. But then when you 
shorten the wheelbase and squish it and you try to make it into a mini SUV, you have to go real high because you can't make a long, thin battery. you got to make a short, fat battery. And and the floorboards are probably raised up quite a bit. So, I, like, there's something going on there that I think just starts to skew the proportions a little bit. Uh, but I, I think Hyundai is doing something interesting there. I think uh, – I think Genesis is doing something very interesting. The The front grille thing is kind of hit or miss. It's not quite the Lexus spindle grille, uh, which, uh, you know, but also the spindle grille is probably better than the BMW, BMW. bucktooth grille, um, the big one. So I, I guess you'd go <laughs> – I think you'd go BMW would be, you know, third in line and then – you know, then maybe spindle grill, and then maybe some of the Genesis. But on some of the vehicles, it works, and it's really good. And on some of them, you're like, it's a little too big. It's a little too much. Um, but I think they're doing – they're on to something very, very good. Genesis is on to something. Yeah. They really are. And I think – also, I think the it's kind of becoming a bit cool as well. You know, it's kind of it. It almost feels like an intelligent choice to buy a Genesis instead of a Mercedes or a BMW. And they're doing good stuff on the interior as well. I mean, some of the stuff, the the ball that swivels around. I there's going to be all kinds of crumbs and stuff jammed into that thing at some point. But <laughs> but for now, it looks cool and it looks kind of fun. But th- that thing's going to jam up. That's going to get some kids. I don't know Cheerios or something stuck in that thing, and <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be an issue. But then again, we've always got the shifters that are popping up after the center called Jaguar does that thing. I don't know if they still do it, but they did it for a while. That thing popping out. Um, yeah, I'm worried about. I didn't know you said, but Jaguar Land Rover's CEO is leaving, and I'm really worried about Jaguar long term. You know, they were going to bring it back as a super luxury, look, you know, a super luxury brand, yeah. EV only. I, I, that happened just the last week. Their CEO was leaving at Christmas. And, well, yeah, I lost Ian a, Callum. Tough times again. I, I was bummed when they lost Ian Callum already uh, because I, I just thought he had a good eye for design. And I like that guy a lot. He's just fun to talk to and kind of get into it. And I, I remember when that, uh, I think it was the XJ, the long one came out and, Everybody had the thoughts of that rear, you know, that that C pillar being kind of blacked out or chromed out or whatever it was at the time, and and he's like, yeah, I got this thoughts on on what it means and what it's supposed to look like and this floating roof thing, and we got a press car that was like a white XJ with the blue interior, and and I was like, not completely blue, but like a really good shade of blue leather interior. Um, you know, black steering wheel, black on top of the dash. You don't really get reflections. And and I was like, I talked to him. I was like, this is the best color combination. This car looks so good. And I don't know why we're not doing the blue interior as much. The red's cool, but everybody goes for the red or the black. And I was like, the blue is so much better than like the tan or the cream. And he's like, I loved it. I wanted to design it. I got it approved. No one's going to buy it. It won't ever happen again. <laughs> and I yeah, was like, Ian, all right. <laughs> I think Ian's one of those things where Jaguar had to do something different. Like if we're talking about like what Hyundai's doing. Mm-hmm. 
and because they got to cut through and I kind of feel like he was new today with the years that he just you know everything became quite conservative and a very kind of Germanic uh you know taking its lead from the CEO and I just think they had to take far far more risks and I kind of worry about where they are today hey, look Jaguar was one of the early brands that come out with an EV with the iPace, which I thought was fun to drive and look good. Uh, I don't know about its quality and reliability, but it's not in the conversation anymore, right? Like we don't, we even forget they have it. Nobody. Even it was talks never. About yeah, it was never really in the conversation. They didn't put any marketing spend behind. it. the idea was okay. Tesla, Tesla has an EV. We're going to do an EV. It's going to be great, and people will buy it. And I don't think people know where even know it exists. I mean, where I live is kind of EV capital of the world, um, South Bay of LA, and you never see them. And now it's an older car, and obviously it's been overtaken by everything. But, you know, right at the beginning, the quality was better than the Tesla. There was so much to like about it. But also, it was so much money. I remember when we got our Tesla in the family, we were going to get – we looked at an iPace, and it was like – I think it was nearly twice as much on a lease. It was like 900 bucks a month instead of 500 bucks, And it was like – kind of like the Jaguar, I like Ian Callum, I like, you know, I like what it, I like being a bit patriotic, but I'm not paying another $400 over the top of a Model 3 for something that's, you know, yeah, and I, not I, a lot better. And I think you're right in that the Jaguar Land Rover probably doesn't have quite the infrastructure to, to build a loss leader like some of the well, other brands can. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah they, and they also they, they, like, they don't have their own financial division. In the U.S., so there's a you know they're using third parties there. So there's a lot of a lot of issues. Like the dealer was trying to convince me that this coming buying a Jaguar or Land Rover product was like a boutique, and you know you paid extra because it was like it wasn't a Mercedes, it wasn't a BMW. It was this kind of like it was like going to a fashion emporium. I was like, that's so yeah. much crap. I'm sorry. If you're gonna if you're gonna pedal that, you've got to deliver on that, and they just don't. I mean. I used to work a lot with J with JLR in my my previous life in the UK, and I've got so much fondness for the company and a lot of the people there. And you know, I think Land Rover will be okay. Maybe it's ripe for a take takeover, but I'm not convinced we'll see another Jaguar. Which is sad because I I agree. I'm a fan of the brand. I always thought they built some really beautiful stuff. I I think their F Type is a great sports car. Uh, you know, in a classic kind of style, front engine, long nose kind of sports car. Um, uh, these guys were always down with the with the loud growling V8. Like they were making British Shelby GT five hundreds. You know, five liter, supercharged, five hundred and fifty horsepower, crazy sound. Like they were making some fun stuff, and then they were putting them in their trucks as well. So I, I, I always thought they had a lot going on, um, especially on the design side. But, but I, yeah, I don't know. But also bad decisions because, like the F, the I Pace, nobody wanted to do a Land Rover version, so it's like let's test the water with Jaguar, and that's like they built all that platform, all that car, and they did one version. That was it. Waste. You know, you could have done a like a Land Rover version. You'd have got away with it. You know, there could have been so many things you could have done for right. well, yeah, incrementally they have, not a lot more money. They could have turned that into like a, an EV Evoke. Like you know, the yeah. I Pace could have been like. Here, here's the EV Evoke. Let's dress it up and and see what we can do. But also, what seems to be not really in the conversation of the EV world for some reason is Audi. What what's going on? How come we're not talking more about Audi? I Bill, you got a jump. I know sorry, you got a, you got an appointment uh, in the, in the garage. But uh, uh, you guys be well. 
And have a happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, brother. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Thanks, Bill. Bye. Be good. Uh, why, why is an Audi seem to be in the conversation more? I think they've had a lot of problems actually physically getting vehicles. I was down at my local Audi dealer and I was told that it was like a two-year wait for a Q4 e-tron, so that's definitely not helped. Um, the product, like the first e-tron was kind of okay. Um, the the GT, which is like the tie, based on the Taycan, was, looked quite cool, but again, was, was not great. They're about to update the e-tron... Uh, the big one and call it, I think they're going to call it the Q8 e-tron or something. They're going to rename it a little bit. Yeah. So they're coming and they'll get there, but they just, they just haven't had supply. Um, so that's been a, you know, the Q4 e-tron I think is a nice thing. It's based on the ID4, the Volkswagen, but it's got a much nicer interior and it's, it's, yeah, they've just been a little bit, but Mercedes is late to the party as well. So is BMW. I mean, they're not, you know, the Mercedes are only just starting to come on stream in the next year. Uh, so are the Audis. BMW's been a little bit further ahead with the iX and things like that, but only only marginally. So I think it's going to be, a, you know, in a couple of years' time, everybody will be in the game. And it's it was striking in LA just talking to people how fast it's happening. Because if you t- I talked to like some of Chevy's people, and they was I said like you, you're rationalizing the the internal combustion range. So I think the new tracks is like taking the place of three or four different vehicles. And I like, see, so yeah, like in 2030 or 2035, we're not going to be selling, we're not going to be offering new ICE cars in a lot of the world. So we can't afford to just build everything. So we're going to keep a, you know, a sort of slimline range of ICE cars for the next 10 years or whatever it may be. But everything's EV. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's... It's happening that much faster. I think California this year, it's 17% of the market currently is EV, and that's with a lot of supply issues. So if you had genuine supply, would it be a lot higher than that? Um, And then, you know, the rest of the US, it's still about 5%. But we're only just starting to see cheaper EVs hitting the market. I mean, we're big fans of the Chevy Bolt, which is now like 29 grand. If you get the tax credit... It's like a 22 grand EV with a 230 mile range. It's great. Um, you know, Apple CarPlay, blah, 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 space for your family. So it's starting to, you know, this, this is coming really fast. And, you know, again, it's just not, you just won't see many new ice cars hit the market, if any. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess you're right. It was Audi, it must be a supply issue. They're holding back on talking about this car because it's a car that you can't really seem to to get. And I, also, it wasn't like it was a grand slam home run. You know, when the e-tron came out, it wasn't like it was so good that we needed to, to talk about it. But it was it, it was okay, so it didn't really make sense to to beat it to death. You know, because everyone should get one of these things. It was like, yeah, it's, a, it's an expensive alternative, and. And and you're right. I think <clears throat> the one that kind of caught my attention was this uh, Q8 larger version. Um, and I think I was reading about it on 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 your guys' side on Edmonds, and I didn't even know it was coming out. I didn't even know about it until I I came across it on your guys' side. I mean, side. that's a fate. My understanding is that's like a mid-cycle refresh of the original e-tron. So I think we're starting to see now them trying to like have a naming strategy just because you're getting more and more of all vehicles. And 
even the names are interesting. Like the, I mentioned, I was having talking to the the new global boss of Volkswagen. Huge job that is. And he would say, like, we've now got this ID range, but there comes a point where what do we do with Golf or GTI yeah. or, you know, Beetle? We've got these, like, iconic names from our history. How do you kind of morph those into a, to a all-EV lineup? And we don't, you know, it's almost unthinkable, particularly in Europe, to imagine Volkswagen without a Golf, where it's the, you know, it's the F-150 of Europe, really. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I, so I, where do you... I was confused with with Mercedes as well. I was talking to them and and they said we've got I think it's the EQS. They got the EQS. And I go, "Oh, that's fantastic. We'd love to get an opportunity to drive that." And they go, "Well, do you want the sedan or the SUV?" Oh, like, that that's driving us nuts. Like you try running a website where you have you know, you like like cuz trying to get your you know, your sort of your Google search engine strategy like Yeah. So that yeah, they I mean, I don't get that decision at all. They basically got the same name for the SUV. I was in a planning meeting yesterday for like what we're doing next year. <laughs> it's just driving us nuts. Like, I, so what's that? I, I tried to explain it to somebody, and they're like, "Well, what's Mercedes coming out with? What do they have with the SUV, or what do they have in the EV world?" I go, "Well, they have the EQS," and they're like, "Is it a sedan or is it an SUV?" And I go, "I'm not sure yet. Let me. I think it's both." And they're like, "Well, the, which is it? It can't be both." And I'm like, "It's both." There's a so now you got to say EQS sedan you got to say EQS SUV which there's too many S's there that yeah. means why couldn't it just be EQS SUV or or why <laughs> what was wrong with with like GLE GLS kind of got that yeah you know that you built a bunch of it's like GLA GLB you know you could just have like EQ GL E or something listen this is why Apple made this goofy movie just putting an I in front of you and everything. You want an iWatch? You want an iPhone? You want it like that's the, the, like that's what well, actually gonna... going, going back to Jaguar, bless them. That was the other thing, wasn't it? They ended up with an iPace that was uh, they ended up with an iPace that was electric and an e-pace that was gas. Yes, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> well, I I'm curious to to. Uh, Two brands that we haven't done too much with recently uh, has been Mercedes and Audi. Like we drove all of the cool Audi stuff, RS6, the the wagon, the Q8, the RS Q8 and all the cool stuff. And they're all great and they're all fast and uh, they do things that wagons and SUVs shouldn't be able to do performance-wise. Um, but never really got into the EV side of Audi, which I'd like to, and uh, and Mercedes. So we were just talking with Mercedes, and I'm kind of excited to see what they are doing. I have high hopes for them because uh, Mercedes seems to be at the top of a lot of your lists at Edmunds. You know, it seems to do very well across the board so it seems like they're still building a a good quality vehicle yeah absolutely i think you know the gle is a great car gls uh s class it's actually just the evs that have been a bit hit and miss weren't super impressed with the eqs overall the sedan version you know we're just starting to see eqe which i think will be a big deal for them come but no so it's a big year for them next year that they need to translate that kind of default luxury car choice that they have in the gas world into the into the ev and and they're definitely not there yet so. yeah um 
I, I know you got to run, but uh, if you've got a minute, um, Toyota Prius was the one we didn't get a chance to uh, to talk about. Toyota Prius, uh, a redesigned Prius. Um, I, I've I've got thoughts on it. Uh, everyone, I don't. I'm maybe this is me, but every social media post from every automotive editor is like, "It's gorgeous! It's gorgeous! It's gorgeous!" I don't agree. Uh, I think the <laughs> I think the Prius was kind of ugly. I think they made it a little less ugly, but not gorgeous. It's not stunning, and it's not gorgeous. And those are words that keep popping up. I'm like, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I, I think they benefited from the fact that the old one wasn't, and so it's like, oh my god, this one actually looks quite good. And then like the hyperbole kicked in. Um, there's never a good headline in say, saying something like. New Prius looks okay. Nobody clicks on that, right? <laughs> like, like less ugly, better than before. Yeah, no, no like, probably, yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. It's Emma, Emily Ratajkowski looked okay last night. Yeah. You know, nobody clicks on that. Yeah, nobody clicks uh, on that. She looked better um, than she did when she was from before. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's um, – I, I, I think you've been a bit harsh. I actually think they've done a good job with it. It's kind of interesting because, like, Toyota's, again, another brand that's behind the curve in the EV world, and this is another hybrid but a, and a plug-in hybrid. And at the moment, there's not talk of doing an EV because they have the BZ4X. It's another stupid name. But uh, yeah. but I, I kind of liked it. Um, you know, Uber drivers rejoice. They're not going to sell it in Europe, which is kind of bizarre because it used to be the default Uber in Europe as well as the US. But we'll see a ton of them in LA. Um, and, and actually, it makes a lot of sense, right? If you don't need an EV... Or you want don't want to make that leap, you know you're going to get fifty odd miles to the gallon. It's they still make a lot of sense. A plug-in hybrid Prius with the infrastructure that we have is still a, a really good choice. I I agree. I think hybrid is still definitely on the table. Um, and and I commend Toyota for sticking with this. I think it's good. I think it could really do well. I don't know the full specs on it. I don't know how much more efficient it could possibly be over the existing Prius. It's going to have to be some significant amount, right, to make it uh, sellable. Yeah, I think it's got a bit more power and it's a bit more a bit more efficient. It's a generation on and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I uh, they know their market. It's a discrete market for that vehicle. I mean, it's not the kind of icon that it was. Tesla kind of stole that thunder a little bit. Uh, you know, I remember the days of like Cameron Diaz driving one to a private jet to make a statement and things yeah. like that. It's um, you know those days of long gone, but it it'll it'll do well for them. I think the interior is better. It's nice to see a, a, a somewhat of a gauge cluster in front of you know the driver uh, and you know now um, instead of whatever was going on in the middle of the in the middle of the dash. <laughs> um, and and look, it 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 definitely looks better. I don't think stunning is the right word. <laughs> No. <laughs> but anyway, that's some thoughts on uh, on the Prius. Um, all right, I know you got to run as well. We can wrap things up. But is there anything else that uh, we forgot to mention? No, we're good. I mean, we've got tons of new videos on uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, also doing really well on TikTok as well. So there's a lot of check out as on, on on TikTok. We did something yesterday. Got like a million views in a few hours. So. That's going great for us. Um, we're about to launch. We just did a thing with the small SUVs. We're about to launch something uh, with a with an R1S against Tesla. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff coming. So um, Edmunds cars on YouTube and everywhere else. Um, shameless plug for me. I'm Weaver on cars on Instagram, Twitter as well. There you go. Shameless yeah. self promotion. 
Everybody does it, Matt. Yeah, I no, we do it. We do it all the time. It's all good. Uh, yeah, give Alistair a call. Uh, give Alistair a follow, especially if you drive a Tesla. He's a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Tesla fans are big fan, big fans of Alistair as well. So, um, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up. It's Edmunds.com is the website, and uh, our website, of course, Carcast Show. You can follow me at Motorator. Um, keep posting some more. I keep posting some more images from the LA Auto Show, and uh, love your love your thoughts on it. We got a lot of feedback on that Mustang. Um, I got more comments saying it looks like a Camaro than anything out there I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so I guess everyone thinks it looks like a Camaro, but um, I opened. Yeah, but then there's, the Camaro is going to die. That's so, what I'm uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end up maybe. Yeah, we can just have a Mustang that looks like a Camaro, and then you get you the know, best Ford of both have worlds, the right? Chaser. Yeah, Ford gets the Mustang yeah. fans and the and yeah. the Chevy Camaro fans, but um, uh. Yeah, so anyway, there's uh, more to come. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. And until next time, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com. Do you own, do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy it's a good thing too because you have so much to do already around your home why not make it easy go to geico.com get a quote and see just how much you could save it's geico easy visit geico.com today that's geico.com all month long on Pluto TV, stream the biggest Tyler Perry movies free. Watch your favorites like Medea's Witness Protection and Medea's Big Happy Family. Join Tyler Perry as he goes on a couples retreat with Sharon Leal in Why Did I Get Married? Or Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union in the Tyler Perry directed film Daddy's Little Girls. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in, watch free.